0: What is going on, ladies and gents? And welcome back to another edition of Top Rank Unboxed. My name is Ricky and I'm joined by my co-host Jalen. And man, I'm hyped because we got a chance to chat with one of the OGs in the fight game.
1: We are super excited to kick off Women's History Month in conversation with a major pioneer in the sport of boxing. Christina Poncher is currently the only woman play-by-play broadcaster in boxing today. This episode was shot before her trip to Saudi Arabia, where she was part of the broadcasting team for Paul Fury.
0: Christina went in-depth on how she got her start in boxing, her favorite top rank memory so far, and being an inspiration for other women in sports. Let's dive right into it.
1: You've been an absolute iconic figure for women in the sport of boxing. Can we just start off with the inception of your career, what you studied in college, and how you got into the sports industry?
2: Well, Ricky, Jalen, thank you for having me. It's like crazy to be on this side of it. You know, usually I'm asking the questions, <laughs> yeah. For you guys. yeah. So this time, like flipping flipping the roles um, with you guys. I mean, this is like home. So this is like family. Um, I appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I mean, it's you said 2010. I'm like, oh, my God, I think this is about to be year 13. I think that's right, which is crazy. Um, to be you know, with one company and been fortunate enough to be in the sport uh, this long. but you know, to not take up the whole episode with how I got here. I mean, I was a broadcast journalism, major in college. Uh, did an internship with uh, Fox Sports when I was in college in broadcasting and uh, started to kind of build a broadcast reel on the side and got an opportunity one day when another broadcaster, I got suspended to step in on a CIF high school football playoff game, which high school football is huge here in Southern California. So that was crazy. They came and got me from my desk and um, said, do you want to do live TV tonight? And I'm like, oh yeah, let's do this. You know what I mean? So um, I just, you know, took the ball and ran with it from there, if you will. And then a couple of years later, I got an opportunity with top rank um, when they were just kind of building up and getting started with their website and social media. It was kind of just Facebook and YouTube at the time and, um, so we, they wanted, instead of just like a floating mic, you know, doing interviews with the fighters, they wanted to put a face and a voice, uh, to some of these interviews and start to build some rapport with our roster of guys. So, you know, I got the opportunity hosting a few press conferences and then just took off from there and went from reporting to hosting, to joining the broadcast team as a commentator to now, you know, play by play. And, you know, it seems like the blink of an eye, but really, as you said, Jalen since 2010, so it's been a, a, a really a, a long ride, but it's gone by quick.
0: When you uh, first came in, into the game, right, did you have any prior knowledge to the sport or did you kind of have to learn on the job? Or as as we say at the Top Rank family, were you a sicko before you came <laughs> to Top Rank?
2: <laughs> Unlike you, Ricky, I was not a sicko when I first came into the sport, if I'm being completely transparent. I mean, I was a sports fan my whole life. My dad just had two daughters. So one of us was going to kind of take that baton, if you will, and be a sports fan, fortunately for him. And. You know, my sister and I both love sports, but it was basketball, it was football, it was boxing all the time in our house. But uh it wasn't really until I got immersed in the sport myself working with top rank that I fully jump all the way in and start watching old takes and old films and going to gyms and, you know, learning technique and stuff like that myself. But I was not and I was young, I was in college and growing up in Southern California where not only do we have a rich boxing history, but we have you know, we had the Lakers and we have the Dodgers and the Angels and we have the Kings and we have so much, you know, other sports too. I was definitely more well-rounded than I was just a straight up, you know, boxing sickle,
0: if you will. You, you could have fooled me because just like, you know, uh, Jalen said, you know, I was watching you since, since I was young too. And I'm and like, you could never know like, oh, like you, you were a natural, like you made it seem like you like were a historian.
1: How do you prep before each fight? Like what's your process like?
2: Um when I'm on a trip with my kids or without my kids, no, let's do both. Um, no. no, man, man, it's crazy. Uh, shout out to real time who got a snippet during a Loma Chango fight week about what it's like when I have my kids and I'm trying to prep because it's a lot harder when they are with me on the road. I mean, they go to bed early and then I got to study and sometimes it's in the bathroom because I have the oh, lights wow. off in the room. So I need light to be able to study. I mean, there's crazy things that I've had to do. Um, but most of the time i get a lot of knowledge from the fighters themselves we are fortunate to have uh you know broadcaster fighter meetings the day before the fight with each fighter where we can ask them specific questions that we just use for the broadcast that they won't um that they open up a little bit more they're a little more candid because they know the stuff will be used during the fight and not like an interview that's beforehand so they talk a little more strategy and game plan so those moments that we get to spend with the fighters and every sport does this you know from NFL to basketball, there's always meetings with the athletes and and the broadcasters prior to to get that off camera one on one knowledge. So that's huge. Um, The report that I have with them being able to call or text if I need to know something, watching film, getting the bios, reading through that, um, talking to their trainers, finding out something happened during training camp that was different. Um, So it's a lot of, you know, that kind of stuff, watching their last fight. But for me, more so now in this play by play, Play by play role, I need to realize sometimes I over prep and I'm so used to being in the commentator or the host role where I got to fail and talk and talk and talk, which I still do um, in between fights. But my job primarily now is to call what I see. So everything that I have in my head is now just for like background knowledge to use for facts or whatever. But like if I'm just calling what I see, then I'm not running through someone's bio or I'm not running through their background as much as like. I needed to before, so I have that knowledge. But really, now trying to hone in and focus on the actual technical aspect is a shift that I'm still, you know, I I feel most comfortable when I'm uber prepared. And it's like what I'm doing now is you can't prepare yourself for what's going to happen in the boxing ring. You prepare for twelve rounds, and the guy knocks you out too. You wasted all your notes and all that time to prepare because <laughs> yeah. you're not getting that info in. You know, so I just need to be like honed in on the action.
1: But that that really shows your mental acuity for the sport because. Just like you said, you're calling it as you see it. So you have to have that genuine knowledge of boxing. So it's in a way, it's not that you're over prepared. You've done your work. Like you've really done your years of studying and being involved with the sport to be able to do that. You know, that's incredible.
2: Well, I'd like to think that's how I got. You know, the opportunities that I have, just you know, putting in the work and and being prepared. Because I always thought it was crazy how like men don't get questioned why they're in the same role that I'm in because they're a male, but like, because I'm a female, even though I've never boxed in my life, Jim Lampley never boxed, Joe Tessitore never boxed, Mauro never boxed, like all the men that are in the position that I'm in right now in play by play. That's why we're play by play. We're not analysts. I'm not in there, you know, acting like I'm a former athlete. I'm in a role to lead a broadcast, but yet it's still one of those things that gets questioned about why I'm there. So I think it's just part of my nature to have to do more or prepare more just to prove that, I belong even though i know i do um it's just i think it just gives me more confidence but it's still a crazy it's a crazy situation because i'm the only one so I- i'll rip it's like what is you know what is she doing there um she doesn't she never boxed and i'm like you must not understand the
0: position on the subject of uh going on for like six to eight hours what do you do when a fight is a snoozer? Like, what's your mindset when it's like, oh, man, this fight sucks and I really got to talk it up. Like in the NFL, you watch It's a Bad Game and they're like, they're just talking about other things during the game. So, like, what do you do if a fight is a snoozer?
2: No, Ricky, sometimes it's like that, too, during boxing. You, start about, <laughs> you talk about the next fight on the card that's coming up. You talk about... um you know, fighter, it, it's it's really sometimes can be really tough. Or for instance, us on the international, here's a little TV insight, right? So most of the time I'm doing an international broadcast side by side with ESPN while they're doing the US broadcast. So sometimes on ESPN, programming is delayed because it's got a lead in from a college basketball game that's running late or a football game or something else. But we go on on the international for Sky Sports and everyone else at adding- exactly, let's say seven o'clock, and they're not on until 707, because on ESPN, it's running over programming, we have to fill all that time, nobody knows that in the US broadcaster is running behind, or they throw to a five minute feature, so their guys can go take a bathroom break, but we don't show that same feature, we got to talk, we got to fill that's where all that background knowledge and all that studying, you know, comes into play, because then you just start dancing, and tippy toeing, you know, teasing things to come talking about stories that they've told you but during snoozer fights i mean like the fans watching too i'm sitting here you can't see me sometimes i'm gonna take on my head to like <laughs> come on like you know like i'm not gonna call out anybody's names we did see a fight recently um, where you know we just were a main event that was definitely a snoozer and no one wanted to throw punches and You know, I'm just sitting there like, okay, like, what do you think's next? Who do we want to see Who are they impressed or not impressing with this performance? You know, you start talking about more generic things because sometimes, you know, there's just not a lot going on.
0: Got some, some great stories. We wanted to see if you had any like wild or crazy boxing stories you haven't told that you've seen uh, in this business through all this time.
2: Oh my god! Um, some of them maybe their names have to be like
0: oh, that's why anonymous. I gotta say names. Gotta <laughs> say names.
2: <laughs> I haven't lasted this long in the industry because I'm not a good you know secret keeper. You know, keep things yeah. to myself. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's you know, totally there's, fair. Th- there's been some. There's been some crazy stuff. I mean, look, anytime you sit and have a dinner with Bob and he's had a couple of tequilas, I mean, he's telling some <laughs> stories that people would pay to be like a fly on the wall to listen to some of the stories about his Ali days, you know, of promoting Muhammad Ali and crazy things that have happened in hotel rooms with different fighters and all kinds of stuff. And you're just like, oh my God, like this is happening, you know, or other fighters where I have met like their wives like and their girlfriend, you oh, know, God, yeah, so yeah. I, yeah. like, you know, But nice to meet you. I've heard so much (laughs) about you and just kind of keep it moving. Um, That's just that's why we're generically speaking, right? So uh, there's just all kinds of athletes that I knew maybe got injured that entered a fight when I knew they had an injury or I saw Mm. something happen where you can't Mm -hmm. really speak about it or say anything about it um, until after because they don't want to pull out of the fight or they don't want something to happen. You know, there's all there there's all kind of stuff, but I think one of the funnest things that, that I got to do and had the privilege of was when we were on the press tour for Manny Pacquiao versus Chris Algieri, and that was in Macau. We went on this like press tour all around, you know, Shanghai and uh, Beijing, and then to Macau. And we were on a like a private 747, like <laughs> private plane, wow. like where there's you're you're walking around. There's just and it was during this time of like the ice bucket challenge. Do you guys remember oh, that? 2014. Yeah.
0: I remember that. You
2: remember the exact year?
0: Twenty fourteen. Uh, oh, I'm good with the mic. <laughs> yeah, he is really so, good. <laughs> I mean, you know, Christina,
1: but he knows like I, every yeah. year of every fight ever. <laughs> Since See, and I don't have that. Like,
2: I don't have that. Like year and this, it all sometimes mm. blends together. I wish I had more of that. But um, talking to Manny about like being the first one talking to him about doing the ice bucket challenge and making him promise he would do it while we we're on the plane and then making him promise Freddie would do it. Um, and those were fun moments, you know, just stuff like that, that we've got to do. It's really just he's really a prankster. A lot of people think like, you know, Manny is has an amazing personality. He's super funny. He likes to joke around a lot. He's very superstitious. You know, just getting to see guys when you spend a lot of time with them on a on a different level than when the cameras are in front of them. Um, you know, creates a lot of fun, fun memories. So it's a lot.
0: Speaking of, speaking of Manny, uh, talk about the time you guys were hiking or or walking on the great wall of China together.
2: Dude, that memory, it was when he fought Brandon Rios, also in Macau. I went to China like 17 times in two years. (laughs) I (laughs) swear to God, we had a good run in Macau, but we got to hike up. I mean, Bob was going for it. Lovey, everybody was doing brad jacobs we were all like sneakered out gonna do this this is a lifetime bucket list thing and we're getting up And i'm interviewing him um and brandon when we get to the top of the great wall of china which i think god was in really good shape because i could not do that right i could not do that right now um and i looked at i, I listened to the first episode and i know we can curse and that's why i let that
1: Oh yeah, yeah, go, yeah. Ahead. go ahead. Because
2: I listened to the first episode with you guys too, and you cursed off rip. So like, okay, we're good. <laughs> anyway, sidebar. So um, that was definitely a memory that I will never forget. Because not only like they're proud of me, right? Too for ma- for making the trek up there to do that, but just being able to accomplish a feat like that and get those photographs, like we did, um, talk to them about um, you know that fight and even that moment. That was that was awesome and I will never probably get to do it again and I will never forget that
0: that's that's once in a lifetime stuff right there to be like I was on the great wall with Manny Pacquiao like yeah the guy that's crazy yeah oh man yeah
1: I was gonna ask what your favorite Manny story is I mean I'm sure that's up there but other than that one what's your other
2: favorite Manny story um I mean there's there's just a bunch of little things about just like being in the gym and how much like he jokes around and like I think one of the things that sticks with me now that I now I'm like my information's coming back to me about the years that we have spent. Um, there was this time where he's been into singing, right? You guys know he does his karaoke yes. and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So during the press tour with Algeri, there was this song that he did for the NFL for the Super Bowl, and it was like NFL. You know, and he's like singing it (laughs) with his like Tagalog accent. And then he just grabs the mic and we just start singing. And then he comes to me and tells me to start singing. And then we're doing a duet. I'm like, I'm up here doing a duet with Manny Pacquiao. Like, this is amazing, you know? So just how fun, loving, and how comfortable he is. And we were singing an NFL, like, song at one of his press conferences up on the stage. And then he takes the mic at a different time. And he just starts interviewing me and asking me questions. Like, he just felt so comfortable. And he's such a fun, honest, like, funny guy. And it was just really nice the more we talked and going backstage at Jimmy Kimmel all those times because he had a superstition about going on Jimmy Kimmel before all his fights. Um, So that was super fun. So I think it's just, you know, it's just little things that and little laughs that you share with somebody and you know that they're like completely themselves and completely comfortable uh, around you. That, That are some of my fondest memories.
0: Uh, it's, that's such a blessing because, like, we always talk about it here at the office. We're like, man, we're really working for top rank. But just imagine being here when Manny was at his peak. So you're you're really blessed and you're really lucky that you got to experience those moments with with a guy like that. And you really got to know him on a you know more personal level. That is that is awesome. We wanted to piggyback off that and just kind of ask, you know, who are some of your favorite fighters to work with? And you could also say the one. Well, you could also tell us stories where you didn't like working with fighters, but you don't got to name them though. We, we're not going to put you on front street.
2: You know, then they're never going to want to, like, talk to me again, right? <laughs> um Fighters are sensitive, uh, in a way, hey, you, know? you know? Fighters are, are, are can be sensitive in that regard. Um, no, I mean, Manny was absolutely one of my favorite athletes to work with, favorite fighters, uh, humble, very humble. Um, I didn't love that he always had such a huge amount of people around him. Sometimes that made things difficult when it came time to getting things done, like, on time or getting anywhere because it was always, like, a, a large entourage, but that's because people would – Pay to sleep at the foot of his bed if they could because he's um, such an incredible human um i really enjoyed working with mikey garcia he was one of my favorite athletes to interview in his time with top rank he was um such an interesting story about him not really even thinking that he was going to be a fighter just doing it because he was good at it you know robert was his brother but he was going to be a police officer and he was just so insightful anytime we did an interview and um I'm always bummed we didn't make that fight against him and, and manny pacquiao or him and um you know, Terrence Crawford, but I he obviously went a different direction, but I always enjoyed working around him. Um, Loma was interesting because I never had so much hype around an athlete that um, turned pro with so much um, accolades behind him. I mean, coming in wanting a world title fight in his first fight, I interviewed him the day he stepped off the plane at LAX when we signed him, his first ever interview as a pro, and that was um, obviously the language barrier made that a little bit difficult, but just knowing his you know, amateur record and the accolades that he came with that, that relationship was, has been fun to, to develop and foster and see him shine as a pro. And, um, you know, and then there's been guys that there's been some guys that still, I think are standoffish because, um, they're not sure what my role is. Maybe they're newer they signed with us later or, um, you know they don't ever hear the interno- international broadcaster I don't travel on the road and interview the guys as much as I used to so they're a little bit more um standoffish you know just I'm so warm and, and I've had other fighters like why are you so happy all the time or why are you so friendly or even mistake it like I'm flirting or something and then when they get to know me and that's they see that that's my personality all the time they get to understand but I've had some fighters like not really take to how friendly that I am uh right up front because they don't know they don't know about me or where I come from yet so just kind of breaking down those barriers for some has been harder than others, but eventually they all understand and then, you know, everything's all good.
0: So we've heard numerous stories about how boxing has become a part of your life. Like Bob Arum was at your wedding, you know, you got fighters, you know, playing with your kids and, you know, Loman his dad even threw you a birthday party. Uh, tell us about, you know, the feeling of creating a sense of family here at Top Rank.
2: Um, well, that's exactly what it is. And I said it, you know, at the top of the show, I said, even sitting here rapping with you guys as family, because they don't just bring anybody in, you know, to the circle. It's, it's like fight game. You know? um, no, no, it, it's really honestly, uh, has been an amazing journey being with top rank. And you're right. Bob was at my wedding. I and mean, when I started, I was I wasn't married. I wasn't a mom. I was fresh out of college, you know, and to see me, you know, 13 years ago to to where I am today. And they've been with me through this journey. I mean, being on the road week after week with all this whole crew. I mean, there's only a handful of us, you know, on the road that are still like some of the OG (laughs) people that were were there when I started. And I would see all of them more than I would see my own family at the time because I was in grind mode, right? Like I didn't have kids. I didn't have a husband. It was just work, work, work as much as I could. So that, um, atmosphere and honestly i think i really got really fortunate working with top Rank because i was put in a position to interview athletes often that were signed to top Rank. so they knew who i was they knew where i was coming from i wasn't coming from an outside um source that was trying to really make things too controversial or was gonna you know catch them off guard with something that wouldn't necessarily make them look good because part of you know when when you do work for a promoter let's be honest like we want to sell tickets. We want to sell fights. We want to make our guys look in the best light as possible. And so when I first started and, and that was my role strictly, you know, as a reporter and hosting things for top rank, it was, you know, some automatic trust and some bonding there with the athletes, if you will, because they knew I was coming from a good place. And then when they saw, you know, me in the gym, they saw me on the road all the time. I'm doing press tours with them. We're, we're in and out of different cities. And, you know, I'm in the gym and we're shooting camp life, which is when the whole Loma thing came about. That was a different series we were doing. And we just happened to be shooting during my birthday. It's like, you know, you got to work. It is what it is. So they were kind enough to, you know, throw me a birthday party because the whole crew was, you know, staying in a you know, house close to them. And it, it's really been an amazing journey. When I started, it was guys like Pacquiao and it was Margarito and it was Cotto and it was Mosley. And it was a different generation of uh, fighters than what we have now. But to have been there for... Some of these guys' pro debuts that are now multi-division world champions not only doesn't make me feel really old, but <laughs> I do feel like really honored to have seen these athletes' journeys from the beginning of their pro careers. Because I jumped kind of right in and had to gain that respect from guys like Pacquiao or guys like Tim, because they had already been established. But with guys like Oscar Valdez and Jose Ramirez and Shapoor Stevenson and some of these guys from their pro debut, I called to now look at what they're doing it's been it's been amazing and they know that I've been there through the way so I think that's what makes uh, the bond uh, feel like family with a lot of our athletes.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing too because you talked about Tim Bradley. You covered his fights when he was, you know, world champion, we was when he was a professional. Now he's you guys are doing broadcasts together on TV. Talk about that relationship and that in that growth, you know, for both of you.
2: Man, with Tim it's crazy because you never know that the people that you're going to connect with and who you're going to just professionally see, and it's going to be a hello or whatnot. And then the people that really are people you work with that become like your closest family members, if you will. And that's kind of what it's been like with Tim. Um, he too was at my wedding. His wife, Monica and I are great friends. Um, my husband and Tim have become really good friends and covering him as a fighter and interviewing him. And you can go back and watch, you know, YouTube videos of him teaching me how to box. Like, you know, I don't know how, <laughs>
1: Six, oh, I saw those. ago. I saw <laughs> yeah.
2: those. I, I loved know, it. Like covering him on, on the scale, the way in day, he looks like a completely different human than he looks now. You know, his body's like ripped. His cheeks are sucked in, He's you know, before all his Pacquiao fights to now seeing him as as a Hall of Famer to now seeing him as a father of, you know, five beautiful children to now being able to have a broadcast career next time. We started, he started broadcasting before he stopped fighting. We had the series uh, called Friday Night Fights on True TV. Uh, And so he kind of was asking me for tips, but it was like, he was just dabbling in it because he was still fighting. And then when he got the opportunity, first it was with Dre. I started working with him at, you know, working alongside HBO. And then when Tim and ESPN stepped in and Top Rank got that deal and Timothy Bradley was in that role, he's like, fifth, like crash course needed ASAP. You know, I'm like, I got you. And so we just worked on some things um, broadcast wise, but that whole crew, uh, man, like, I know I work for ESPN, Top Rank and stuff, but the family bond that those guys have, the way that they prepare, the amount of rehearsal time and meetings and phone calls and everything, like they truly put in the work and he's risen to become quite a personality on the mic. Uh, Andre as well, Joe Tess, Bernardo is without a doubt one of the most amazing human beings that I've had the pleasure of knowing and have learned so much from him. So as much as I hope to inspire others, I've been inspired by the men that i work around you know day in and day out uh, on the broadcast side so um uh, tim i am uber proud of him i'm so excited for him to be going into the hall of fame and i think that you know we, we joke around and we call him tim barkley because he's like our <laughs> charles barkley on yeah, TNT's yeah. inside the i mean he just says wild things says what yeah. he feels you know uh, but it'll be like can hey, nobody whip my ass though right so i'm like you say that i can't say that i'll get my butt whipped. but you can say the crazy things you say because uh you could back it up. So I, I love him dearly. And I, I am uber proud of you know his accomplishments that he's done in the ring. And now, you know, everything that he's, um, you know, become as a broadcaster.
1: What's a working relationship that was so easy, like right from the jump that you're really proud of? And it didn't take much for you guys to both work together, or like be comfortable with each other.
2: Tyson Fury. That one was easy because um, he he just his personality has this infectious personality and you know i i also have a big personality and i think just right away we just we just yelled he didn't know a lot about me because i primarily have everything you know here in the u.s and he came to us after already being a pro for how long you know so i wasn't sure how that was going to go and just right away like we bonded with paris i bonded Uh, we shot some super fun stuff he did sit down interview and said that that was one of the best interviews that he had ever done when when he fought on one of our first cards here in the States, because I asked him stuff about his children. And I think maybe being a mom and him being a dad and him having so many kids, like we bonded on that level, Uh, went to his house during training camp and shot, uh, you know, a fun Q and a, so I could get him to talk about his love of his history of boxing. So, I, I mean, him and I just right away, I think hit it off. And then, you know, when some controversial stuff happened during a fight league recently, like he was one of the first guys to just pull me aside and have my back and just say, you know what? He'll let that go. Like he, you are all class, and everybody, you know, loves you and respects you. So even when he won one of his fights, he looked at me and he's like, "I got you, I got you," you know. And That's I just, awesome. I, I, I super appreciated that. Um, so it, it's just relationships and guys like that. You just, somebody sometimes you just click right away, and it makes for TV magic, really.
0: I wanted to circle back to, and we were talking about, you know, having a husband and and two beautiful children. It takes and that requires a lot of time, you know, to be a full time mother and a wife. How do you deal with all that? And also like you're doing this job at an elite level. How do you avoid a burnout?
2: Honestly, I feel like I'm still figuring that out as I go. You know, um, you just got to kind of take things fight by fight, you know, month by month. Uh, I have an incredibly supportive husband and it starts there. Even before we had kids, look, I travel around men all the time. I'm in locker rooms interviewing men. Sometimes I'm the only female at dinner, you know, whatever the case may be. So it starts with, you know, trust and a strong foundation. My husband and I were together 10 years before we got married. Um, We've been together now almost 16. So I think that having that strong foundation um, is important. And then being able to just manage your time wisely and realize that when you're with your kids or you're with your husband, like it's all in, in those moments. And then when it's time to buckle down and focus on work, that you're all in, in that. and that. I only think that becoming a mother made me a better broadcaster and made me a better talent because I was so thankful for that time that I could kind of somewhat clock out, if you will, as a mom and focus exactly on my job and my career because I missed it when I was on maternity leave. Or I do miss it when a month goes by and we don't have a fight. So then I'm excited again and I'm I'm reinvigorated doing what I love. And then when I'm on the road for three days and four days and I miss my kids and I get right back, I feel like I'm a better mom because I've had that break and I've missed them. But I couldn't do it without, you know, the family and people that help me out when I when I don't take them with me. So it, it takes a village, but it's still a juggle. And with my son starting school now, he's turning five, you know, figuring out who can help me pick him up. And, you know, there's this whole, that's why I said, it's like this whole shift and ever evolving thing. Uh, but just doing what I love and what I'm passionate about, keeps me focused on both because it's not a chore. Being a mom is not a chore and doing my job is not a chore. It's two things I love and I've always wanted my whole entire life. So I don't have a choice but to find a way to make it work. And so far, so good. How did you and your husband meet? Um, that's funny. Yeah, I've never been asked. I've never been asked that on a boxing. <laughs> <Yay>. a <podcast. laughs> well, I, I feel like maybe most men don't care. Um, you know, but I, 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 I
1: care, Christina. I love these stories. We care.
0: I, yeah. I love Jermaine.
2: Good looking out, Jalen. No, um, we actually first met in junior high school. Um, oh. That's yeah, we both played basketball and we met that way. But we didn't end up reconnecting until college. Uh, we went to rival high school. So I would see him going against my school and like cheer against him and stuff. It was always just, like a rivalry thing. And then when we reconnected in college, we actually moved into the same apartment building that we didn't know that we both lived there. And then I was like sitting out by the pool one day and then he came walking out of the fitness center and I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Cause we hadn't seen each other since high school. And it's like a couple years later. And um You know, I was like, I live here. And he's like, I live here. And I'm like, no, you don't. He's like, yes, I do. And so, like, we just started talking like that. And we were both going to school. And it was like, hey, you should come out with us sometime. And I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. And little by little, there wasn't a day that I didn't want to spend with him. And here we are. Wow.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Now, look at you guys. Now, now Jermaine is sitting right behind you sometimes at big fights. You know, I saw her, that. It was right? so, that like, so cool. That's so cool.
2: You know, he never, he did not know, let me, let me, he was with me shooting in the gym, as they say, okay? So mm-hmm. he did not just, oh, I like her. Let me shoot my shot in her DM so I can sit ringside. Like, it was not like that. He's been with me putting in the work weeks that I was gone out of time, press tours where I'm in other countries and we couldn't talk for a couple of days. So
0: he absolutely,
2: uh, um, has has earned and put in the work to to have that seat sitting there and i i'm very i am very lucky and supportive because i wouldn't be in the seat i am you know without his his support and his encouragement
0: oh yeah. uh, that's so wonderful you know it sounds Aww. like you- valentine's episode, <laughs> this? Valentine's episode. <laughs> uh, and this is where
2: everybody turns it off because they're like we don't want to hear about that <laughs>
1: You're currently the only female play-by-play broadcaster in boxing. Can you talk a little bit about the significance of that personally and career-wise?
2: I am. Um, I don't know of any other woman, at least in English, or, you know, any any um, any major platform that does play-by-play for boxing. So I've been fortunate enough to be the second all-time, the first on a you know, major English-speaking network, and I'm um, currently the only one, but hopefully, you know, with some of those feelings being shattered. Uh, that won't be the case for too much longer.
1: Yeah. And how do you see the trajectory changing in the business side of boxing and as well as, you know, in the sports aspect of it for women since you've been involved?
2: Oh my God, it's changed tremendously. I mean, I went from being one of the only, you know, women broadcasters that were in the sport to now we have you know women hosts. There are women who have started their own YouTube channels. There are women that, um, fighters that are sitting in the commentary seat now. Uh, you have women that are headlining uh, cards. There's an all women's card now. So I mean, when I first started, the only woman that I ever covered, and this is one of her last fights with Christy Martin, she fought on a um, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and Sebastian Zbik card at Staples Center. And that was the first time I'd ever even, you know, covered a woman in the four. And it really hasn't been since then that they've been sprinkled in here and there. But once the top rank signed Michaela Mayer and so everything that's happening with you know women's boxing taken off, particularly in the UK, I mean, it's just been flourishing. And I think that this past year, um, you could say arguably has been one of the best for women in the sport, certainly in recent history. And I just think that that goes to speak volumes about not only the entertainment value that they can put on in the ring, but the way that we can learn, carry the sport and, and hold conversation to hold our own um, you know, ringside as well on the mic.
1: And on that topic, how how do you deal with comments that are assumingly negative like that because of the fact that you're a woman? How have you
2: dealt with that in the course of your career? I mean, I think the best thing to do is try really like not to deal with it. Just kind of try to just let it roll off your shoulders because uh, no matter if you're the best at what you do or not the best at what you the comments are going to come. Someone's always going to find something negative. Uh, and I think the older I got, the more mature I got, the more um, comfortable I got in my position, uh, the more I – don't even read it or pay much attention to but I think early on it was just knowing like okay I'm in a position where people can't screw nice I'm on air for four five six seven eight hours straight talking like people are going to make mistakes in a 20 minute conversation I'm on air for at least four hours at a time like give myself some grace that sometimes you may fumble a word or you may say a fact wrong when you're studying 20 fighters for a 10-fight broadcast like It's just what it is. And I think that the more I've let myself just kind of roll with it, and the more mature and and confident I got in my role, the less I um, let it affect me. But I will say, I think because where I came from, I came from a broadcasting background. I carried myself professionally. I've established myself with a lot of fighters. I don't feel like I get a tremendous amount of negativity. And I I am pretty fortunate you know, in that regard to not have to deal with a lot of that.
0: What would be your message to young women getting into whether that's just boxing or sports media in general?
2: I think the number one most important thing I would say is put in the work. There's no substitute for hard work. You have to understand that everybody um, everybody has a goal. Everybody has a dream. Everybody has something that they want to accomplish. And it, it is combined with a lot of different factors, but something that you can't substitute is the amount of preparation, studying, hard work that you put in. You're going to gain experience over time. I always had, it's always hard for me to tell people like, well, you just got to get experience because you have to get an opportunity in order to continue to get that experience. But nobody can tell you that you have to wait to put in the hard work. You have to wait to study. You have to wait to to get contacts. You have to wait. Like, no, you can do all that stuff yourself. So I would say put in the work, also have a strong belief in yourself and in your preparation that you absolutely belong. See yourself and envision, envision yourself I know manifest has become a big thing lately using that word I think people were doing it before it was even you know popular to throw that word around just to genuinely just believe and see yourself. I mean I was young as a kid and I would set up my dolls, I would set up my teddy bears. And I would hold a fake mic and I would talk to them and I would talk in the mirror and I would do all these things because I've never wanted to do anything else. I wanted to be a broadcaster my whole life. So I envisioned it and saw it and kept my eye on the prize and made it happen uh, because I didn't think about a plan B. I didn't think about anything else that I wanted to do. So I, I had a lot of help along the way in different avenues of internship and, you know, financially my dad saying like, you know, I won't let you sleep on the street. Like I'll help you if you ever get stuck. You know, I had some some people that gave me, you know, and invested in me and, and my and c- gave me the confidence that I needed. But man, just keep believing and know that it does. You don't have to see somebody in the role that you want to be in in order to make that happen. Now I say that because there wasn't a female play by play. There wasn't even a female on the broadcast team when I got into Boston, but that didn't mean like, why couldn't I be the first one? Why couldn't I do this? If a male can do this, a female can do this. So I think having that belief in yourself and knowing just because someone's not there, you absolutely could be the first. And if you're not, and you're the second, you're a the third, and you could be better than that first or better than that second person. So yeah, I don't know if you asked me for one thing and I just gave like five, but there's like so much I want to say about how important it is to like, really truly put in the work and believe in yourself because I am a true testament to being able to make your dreams come true and doing it the right way and I'm so 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 thankful to be still doing this after as Jalen reminded me now 13 years on the sport (laughs) (laughs) sorry Christina (laughs) no no it's good I'm trying to think like you look like like you're 20 I got
1: stuck you really do. You, do. you really do look like Light.
2: you're 22. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, hey, when you when you're happy on the inside and there's love and goodness on the inside, I think it reflects on the outside. So
1: I agree. Green.
0: I Green. agree with
2: that.
1: Wow. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for giving us your time today. That was that was amazing. We're super grateful.
0: You're welcome. Super grateful. Yeah. One of my favorite people here at the Top Rank. Yeah,
1: thank, you, thank you, guys.
2: I really I appreciate it. it. I feel like we could do this for another hour if I didn't have to put my mom yeah. back on and go pick up my son come from in, school. but
1: come yeah come into the office uh one day and then we'll we'll do it in person
2: yeah and I'll try to think of some more fun you know and embarrassing stories when I have some time to really wrap <laughs> my brain about it but I enjoyed our conversations I enjoyed your guys's questions and you know I look forward to not only you know working alongside you guys in the future but listening to more episodes of the podcast and the more guests you have I think you're showing a different side of some of these guys and I like that, you know, you're branching out, not just doing fighters. You're having a little, little me on. So I appreciate Yay. it. Oh,
0: thanks. <laughs> thanks, much Appreciate <laughs> thanks. it. Absolutely. A lot coming from you.
1: Yeah. He's yeah, we'll talk thing. to you soon. Thank you so much. We know yes, not have to do go, well. but thank you so much.